Hey everybody, welcome to Leading from Afar, a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. And I'm Tevi Hirshhorn. I've built and led design and product teams remotely, and I'm a longtime remote work evangelist. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in today's episode of Leading from Afar. As always, you have myself, Scott, with my co-host, Tevi, leading the show. Today, we are digging into learning and development within a remote environment. And today we're very happy to be joined by a good friend of mine, Susanna D'Souza, who is the Senior Manager of Support at Loom, which probably needs a little to no introduction, but we'll get there a little bit later. Susanna and I have spoken many times over the past few years and have been so happy to see the growth and the climb within Loom. And I think it's going to give a very interesting perspective and story around the topic of learning and development today and around your personal career growth. So usually the way we start, Susanna, please give a little bit more insight into yourself, uh, a little bit Loom and your career so far. Yeah, absolutely. Hello. Thank you so much for, for the invites, Cotton and Tevi. I'm very happy to be here. So my name is Susanna. I'm based in Lisbon, Portugal, and I'm currently the Senior Manager of Support at Loom. What is Loom, you might ask? Basically, Loom is, is video messaging for work. It's that simple. You can record your screen as well as your voice and your face in order to create videos that you can then just immediately share with your team and customers. In 2017, I was the first support hire at Loom, and now we have a team of 15 really amazing people supporting our 13 million users worldwide. So it's been a very exciting uh, ride over the past four years. And our focus today is to create a support experience that is not just efficient, but also educational and human. And that is both at scale with our free users and also individually with our enterprise customers. So that's a little bit about myself. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us, Susanna. Nice to meet you. To dive right in, can you tell us a bit about why you think learning and development is so important? Yeah, I even more than important, I'd say it's just critical, right? So I feel like we're just getting started with support at Loom. I look at learning and development as not just an opportunity, but even as a lever for us to, one, continue expanding our team and providing them with the tools that they need, not just if they don't know or if they don't have access to information, that typically just creates doubt and fear. And we don't want that to happen ever to anyone on the team. Then secondly, to empower them. So to develop their skills, to create opportunities for their development, this helps people on my team stay motivated, stay engaged, and ultimately also retain them, which is the goal. I typically say that the team's success is my success. So my ultimate goal here is to help people grow in their careers, whether that is within Loom and into bigger roles, or even externally, if they decide to leave, as long as I'm helping the people that I work with. That's the goal. And learning and development is just a huge lever for that. Without it, we're not going to be able 
to grow their careers. And even to be fully transparent here, there's just a ton more that I can be doing for my team's L&D. And it's going to be a big part of the roadmap for the second half of the year. So this conversation is very timely. Awesome. So again, we've known each other for a few years and then we first connected. I think you were the first support hire at Loom and yep. we're managing uh, support all by yourself. Actually, as Loom grew and the team grew as well, you've have grown and risen through the ranks, uh, going from an IC role into a leadership role and continue to grow. With that growth comes the requirement for your own learning and development, for your own upskilling. We'd love to know a little bit more about that kind of growth yourself and what you've done and what you've focused on learning. And as well, what you're doing with your team as a leader to help your team's growth as well in learning and development. Yeah, that's a great question. So I guess to give you a little bit of context too, I was really fortunate to be part of a, a very strong L&D program during my time at Airbnb. I honestly lost count of how many workshops, trainings, programs that I was invited and, and able to attend really from personal leadership programs to mindfulness workshops. I think that we basically covered it all. The trainers were absolutely world-class too. In fact, just the other day, I was catching up with one of them because I'm hoping to share his own L&D program with my team at Loom. And we were talking and it turns out that we had been together seven and a half years ago. So he had delivered that PLP training to me, the personal leadership program. And I just realized that I still very much use it and refer back to the learnings that he shared in, in his program. That's really the mark of an amazing L&D program. Like it sticks with you. I've been so lucky to have received such amazing and stellar training and everything that I've learned um, at Airbnb has shaped me professionally, but also uh, personally. And, and there's a lot of overlap there. Eventually, when I landed at Loom, where <laughs> there were no L&D programs, we were six people at the time, our uh, learning and our development was to basically get Loom out to as many people as possible, to keep them engaged, to learn from them. Literally, L&D was our job. It was everything that we were doing. But even from like those early days, L&D was just always a focus for us, even if we didn't have that big of a budget. So we had to get creative. We had book clubs. We, we did a few courses together. We built, I think above all, we built a culture of research and sharing insights. I just learned so much about product management, user research, marketing. Um, and eventually when we grew the team, we raised some funds, we created an official L&D budget. I started using that budget for, I paid for a financial analysis course in a great university. I signed up for a masterclass. Masterclass was something that I used to do with my team. We'd watch masterclasses about topics of interest and then discuss those insights in our uh, one-on-ones, which was really an interesting exercise that we did together. Just looking back at my career, L&D has just been really present. Obviously at Airbnb in a more structured company with proper departments, proper initiatives. But even in my last four years at Loom, in like an undercover way, but with the team just growing and reaching 150 people now, 
and we're currently expanding our people-focused teams, we're going to be dedicating a ton more resources to bringing L&D into the spotlight, really, and just betting strongly in our team's development. Um, sorry, I went into a bit of a ramble there, but did that answer the question? <laughs> Yeah. So basically, the the learning and development that you were given is what allowed you to become the leader at Loom, and and they enabled that for you. Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. As I mentioned, I was really fortunate to go through trainings led by you know Brian Chesky's coach, nice. or someone who right now is training PayPal and LetGo and other huge companies. Just all of that knowledge, all of that experience just absolutely shaped the way that I am as a professional, but also personally, I tend to leadership concepts. You use them in your day to day. You listen to people, you help them. For me, that's been such a life changing opportunity and I'm super stoked and grateful that I, I was able to have that experience. Yeah. I hope to also bring it to Loom, double down on it and really help the team grow, develop, and just really find more about themselves, become more self-aware, know what they need to improve, but also know that what they're really good at so they can double down on that. Since we're a podcast about remote leadership and, and remote companies, how is, is learning and development different in a remote environment? Yeah, I, I love this question because, and maybe this is like a controversial opinion, but at the end of the day, like not much. The goal I think is to grow and develop your skills and you can do that anywhere, right? So you can be sitting in an office, you can be at home. The most important thing I believe is access. When you're working remotely, access is something that may not come as easily. So businesses, companies, they need to make an effort to mitigate that as much as possible. But individual, learning and development should always be happening, whether that is by having impactful conversations with your manager or just looking out for yourself, looking for your own opportunities. It should always be happening. Maybe you'll sign up for uh, Udemy or Linda or whatever it is. You are investing in yourself and then your company can also create those opportunities for you too. As well as your manager, you should definitely be having conversations about your career, your development, all of that stuff. If anything, last year just taught us that whatever can be done in the office can also be done working from home. And it's all a balance. I'm not saying that remote is always better, but both options 100% have their own compromises. I'm a fan of working remotely. I love the, the hybrid model. I think combining the best of both worlds is just the best, to be honest. So should L&D be any different in a remote work, workplace, really? I, I think as long as the end goal is the same, the way to get to it may be a little bit different, but that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I'd encourage leaders and companies to invest in L&D programs that may be more appropriate for remote employees, potentially even direct some of those programs towards remote collaboration, how to have uh, virtual meetings, how to lead remote teams, how to build your presence online, maybe even how to create your remote setup so that you're more pro productive and comfortable working from home. It's, there's a lot that can be done. It's, there's a lot of opportunity here, I think. Question for you too, how have other leaders in the space shared their thoughts here? Do they agree, do they not agree? I'll let you go first, Scott. 
Sure. Outside of the debate, which we'll potentially have you back for another episode about the hybrid model, which is uh, one of my favorites, the opportunities are definitely there. Um, and I, I think it's uh, having companies understanding just like remote work, you need the right tools, you need to enable people, you need to give people the right time and collaborate on it and be focused on giving them the access to learn what they want to learn. Could be different aspects, a company that just went remote, something that you said, it's maybe potentially how do you have the best workspace uh, or how people missing the commute, they don't miss the commute and how can potentially someone recreate that commute, creating new habits. So instead of a 30 minute train ride, it's now a 30 minute bike ride or a 30 minute walk. Instead of going to the coffee machine in the kitchen, it's going to a cafe or a commute is now going to a, a co-working space every day or walking to a different uh, place to work from. It's potentially giving people that understanding and that knowledge. And that's really the basis of, of this podcast and why Tevi and I started it. It's most people who are now leading teams remotely for the past year have no experience in doing it. They don't understand the right way to do it. Tevi and I both saw that opportunity. Like this was going to be the key that experience, the knowledge, the, the tools and how to do it remotely and just being able to share our experience, having great people on the show like you that have been working remotely for so long and just being able to share experience. Here's what I've done with my team. Here's the things that have worked. Here are the tools that I work to be able to give people access to that. Because again, everyone that's going to be remote needs that upscaling. Even when you're remote for a while, you still need to upscale. But I, I definitely like that idea of, that you've mentioned is just whatever is going to benefit them the most, whether it's upscaling, whether it's creating new habits, whether it's how to do their job better, whether it's learning a new talent or skill to get that out there. And that's definitely things that I've heard and that I try to push with, with leaders and with companies that, that I work with. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and the only thing I would add is that I think that remote learning and development is probably very much the same, even in the tools that are used, whether you're getting books out or you're signing up for some online course, I guess very rarely, I think some companies are able to offer a live presentation that's pretty cool if you get that opportunity. So maybe now it would just be a webinar or something on Zoom. So otherwise, I agree that there's not much difference, but there is, I think, a need to learn how to communicate and manage and lead in a remote environment. So I think if you're going to be a remote company, those are things that you should be actively making sure your team learns about. Absolutely. When we're hiring at Tevi, we we're always looking for those soft skills. We're yeah. hiring remotely. So it's, will um, this person be successful in a remote capacity? Will they know how to communicate? Will they be adjusting their tone? And do they have the empathy to understand that sometimes people don't always, they're not always at their best online, stuff like that. So I 100% agree with you. And companies need to train their employees, they need to train their leadership in just how to best communicate in, in a remote world that we're moving towards hybrid just everywhere. And it's just going to be so critical. And Scott, you mentioned creating habits. That's actually so funny. I was having this conversation the other day and with the time that we are now getting back from our commutes, right? We're not spending five hours a week, sometimes 10, whatever it is commuting. But what are people spending that time on? Sometimes people don't know. Where does that time go? They don't know, but they could be 
as you said, learning a new skill, creating a new habit. And it's so interesting to think about that and think about how we can take that time and really apply it to ourselves, to upskill ourselves and to, to just continue to learn and, and be happy, really. So that was a tidbit of information that you shared that uh, I find super interesting. I think it was today, there was a post, either maybe Harvard Business or one of those magazines that kind of put that idea of people need the commute back. The commute was actually good. Anything that talks about the office, I'll always argue <laughs> with. I spoke to someone on one of these tools I, I use to pair with people that's living in the east end of London in a one and a half bedroom or one and a half room apartment with no garden, no balcony. It's felt over the last year, like the walls were closing in and it kind of felt like I'm looking forward to going back to the commute. I'm looking forward to having the half an hour to read a book, to listen to something, to listen to a podcast or, or whatever it may be, and just having that time outside. And I nicely said, okay, I'm going to check back in with you in, in a month and I can guarantee you're going to hate that commute already. But it's just taking that concept of, okay, you spend a half an hour reading a book on a bus or a train, or you could just listen to an audio book while you take a half an hour walk. Uh, or listen to a podcast, you have the ability to do the same things and get the same opportunities, but just without the commute. Theory, again, you're walking to a co-working space every day, so you're walking 15 minutes, so you're commuting, uh, and you're listening to an audiobook, so you're reading your book. It's just changing the mindset because of the lockdowns, nobody was able to leave the house. So everyone was stuck. You couldn't leave the house. Uh, and then people would just wake up. I start working. I work all day on and off. Kids are in the house. They're not in the house. And then I just go to sleep, rinse uh, and repeat. As we, we move forward, is that necessity to say, okay, how do we do this in, in a better fashion? Is it literally just walking outside, walking around the block just for that mental, I'm walking out of my house and I'm walking in the door to my office. It's little changes to be able to mimic that experience of going to an office or just to be able to have those habits that break up the day or give you that opportunity that you're just not sitting there at a computer screen um, all day long. I'm going to dive into the next question. Your thoughts of what some of the benefits and drawbacks of doing L&D remotely versus in, in the past of everyone being in a, in a conference center or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it would really depend on the type of the L&D initiative. I think that having online trainings can be really beneficial, starting with just the access piece that I talked about before, but also knowing that the learners, they're in control of their own progress. We have to realize that not everyone processes and retains information at the same speed or even in the same way. So having variety is it's super important here. I think it's important to be flexible and to adjust the L&D initiatives according to the business and to the people's needs. But to give you like a specific example of what I'm going through right now, I mentioned uh, that I'm looking for some leadership workshops and for my team. And the reason for it is just, they're always good to have, but uh, specifically I, I just promoted three people in April to lead roles and that's amazing. I'm super happy with it, but I would also love to have a couple of days where we just all get together, we share experiences and we learn from each other, we align the vision, what we consider to be like leading support at Loom, all that stuff. But there's a couple of drawbacks, right? So it's not always easy to pull people away from their daily duties, especially if it's all the support leaders at once. And then we also have the issue of the time zones, literally like nine hours difference. So then I'm like, okay, 
could we get together for a couple of hours for an entire week every single day? Will that be impactful? What's the solution? I'm honestly still working on it. I think it's going to be probably a combination of both remote smaller sessions and in-person workshops. Um, for example, remote shorter workshops where we would just dive into a topic, learn together for a couple of hours. It's the evening here in Europe. It's the morning in, in San Francisco. Then we hopefully one day <laughs> we schedule an in-person session during uh, a support team offsite or, or something uh, along those lines. And then we can completely focus on just being together for an entire day or two. So I think there's both options. I, I don't want to wait you know, a couple of months. Everyone is vaccinated. We can travel again. Like we get together. That's really, I think like the, the blue sky scenario for me, because it's just a more immersive experience, but I also don't want to take the merit of until we do that, that's probably going to be more rare than we would like just based on we're a distributed team and we're working remotely. So should we always be waiting for that opportunity? No, we need to take advantage. We're remote. We can do these things asynchronously. We can leverage a ton of tools. The learnings are going to be the same. It's just the human element of it that is going to be different. But at this point in time, we can almost replicate that with our setups and with the tools that we use. So actually, Scott, I'm really curious about what you used to do at Envision. So maybe I can take some inspiration from it to solve this problem for myself. Sure. Maybe if, if you don't mind, I like to actually bring in something else and it's going to pull sure. in heavy. From the experience, we were somewhat neighbors. Our boys go to the same school. And when we had the lockdowns, the school went from obviously learning in the classroom to learning via Zoom. And for younger ones, it was four or five hours of, of Zoom. And for the older ones, it was maybe six, seven, eight hours. At least for my kids, it was very difficult for them to be able to sit there for that long. But I remember Tevi had mentioned, Tevi, please go into the details about this. I think it was with your daughter that they used more of a kind of a combination of different things. Some classes were the teacher or in the, in the case of L&D, an instructor sitting there giving a live lecture to people in the classroom. Then there was broken up the students within smaller groups to learn amongst each other a specific topic, doing some kind of workshop, doing some kind of exercises. And then you had a mix of more async. So the teacher would record a lecture or something and the kids could then watch it at their own time. And from what you said, it seems that this would be potentially a very helpful idea. The mixings for times, you, some people can get together, you can't get together. You don't want to take multiple people off the same opportunity of having that chance of mixing different things. So today is going to be a synchronous teacher to student type thing. Another, it's going to be groups of maybe one or two people doing a workshop, going through scenarios. Other times it's async of you or somebody else creating content that's uh, then shared offline. Tevi, can you give more? insight into that maybe more? Yeah, that was basically it. And for context, my daughter is in third grade and I was very impressed how they did that <laughs> because they basically had two hours of live Zoom per day, maybe three. Then they would augment it with these async videos or even interactive games or something and, and actual homework. So it was like full synchronous live Zoom, some smaller groups with a few friends working on a specific project and then totally async activities and videos, which I thought really helped make it more palatable. I think it's a great application to, to regular learning and development with the company. That's probably a great idea. 
where it doesn't have to be like full all day for three days where it's like fully synchronous. Maybe breaking it up like that would be a really interesting way to proceed with it. Totally. I 100% agree. I think that what you mentioned is just like the absolute best blue sky scenario in terms of like marrying the both options. We'll definitely explore that at Loom and I'll, I'll report back on how it goes. Yeah, to the kind of quick envision piece, while I was there, I think it was probably very early on in trying to get L&D off the ground. They tried a couple of different iterations. A lot of it was online tools like Linda or LinkedIn Learning, Treehouse, different opportunities like that. You could get, you know, an hour or half an hour of learning time a day or however many week with your manager to give you the approval. But there, there wasn't really anything on the soft skills of like how to work remotely, how to have a, a proper... Uh, ergonomic setup and things like that. I think the biggest thing, and this probably will grow a, a question out of this, is around giving opportunities for people to learn soft skills or just specific hard skills around their job or their interests. While it was an envision, it was really just hard skills around your specific job was the focus. Yeah. That's super interesting. I 100% hear you. And I think managers, leaders, they should definitely figure out the, the right balance between skills-based trainings and, and leadership training, so hard and, and soft skills. You definitely want to make sure that you're helping the team grow in a way that is just not specific or not only specific to their current role, but also to help them or to set them up for success in future roles. You want them to grow um, and expand. So I think that's that's super interesting what you just said. Yeah, I was going to ask basically straight up. So what do you think is the right way to structure learning and development, balancing all of that, you know, career, job skills, soft skills, personal pursuits? Yeah, there's a ton here, but I would say like start with clarity. Jacqueline on my team typically quotes Brene Brown and she reminds us all that clear is kind meaning that we should always aim to set the right expectations and just communicate clearly. And that's where the collaboration really starts. It's an effort between all the parties involved. Similarly, I think L&D programs should just be structured based on just the individual and the collective goals. And by that, I mean, there's going to be business and team goals that they will just inform how we would like to continue developing our teammates and grow their skills, but also each person on the team should be able to inform that conversation. So talking about what energizes someone, what makes them happy, how would they like to expand their skill set, what they would like to be doing in five years time, the cliche question, but also understanding their belief systems and just aligning them with the company values. I think from a business perspective, one of the, the very first steps is just going to be to identify the training needs and then setting those objectives. And with that, you're able to establish a baseline for your almost return of investment, right? So you can ask yourself, how will this training help and prepare my team to do X, Y, or, or Z? And then you can then measure that in, in the future. I think that there's a ton to be said about L&D structures. I definitely don't have all of the answer or even know if these answers are, are any good, but just kind of like back to, to my initial approach, I think it's all about communicating 
It's all about listening and then just aligning on a path forward together and building it together. There's no point in me as a manager going to my team and be like, we're going to develop these skills and I'm going to prepare you for these roles if they're not interested or passionate about those things. So there needs to be a huge alignment there and I need to know what motivates them, what energizes them, but also what doesn't. So what do they like dread at work? What do they wake up and they're like, oh, I really don't want to like do that today. So I can hyper-focus them on the things that they do super well and fast and in the best way possible. And they can just continuously grow and, and be better at. And I can find a way to create more efficiency with the ones where you know, maybe they're not as uh, productive with them and they don't spark joy in, in that sense. Do you think there has to be like a, on the training that they're getting or can it be like a more of a personal pursuit that might be loosely or not at all related to work but as you mentioned it, it helps motivate them and helps them focus yeah i think it's a balance really i think it's from a, a business perspective you know people always want to see that roi the business is paying for that development they're investing the time they're creating that opportunity. So they want to see that ROI. And then from an individual perspective and from a manager perspective, just knowing that the people on my team are growing and they're happy with the information that they're accessing and that's creating more opportunities for them, then I think that's amazing too, obviously. But it's just really balancing both and making it a valid initiative to invest in because then that ROI is just going to be reflected in our approach with customers, if we have happy team members that are willing to just go to bat for their teammates and for the company, then they're going to be delivering like amazing service. They're also going to be implementing those skills with documentation and improving the product and just thinking critically and creating liberally, which is one of our support values. We encourage people to go learn and then apply what you learned in support. How can we get better? So it's really like the cycle, right? You have to invest, but then you also hopefully reap some benefit. I like to add on to exactly what you just said. That I think companies need to look at it on two streams. The first is how can learn give added value to their current role or their track, or on the other side, how can it potentially give value to the company as a whole? And I'll try to give examples. The first was someone on, on my support team wanted to take a course on copywriting. So if you think support, copywriting is a marketing thing, nothing to do with support from a, a role value, there's zero potentially value there. But if you try to take a step back, in theory, you learn how to write copy better and how to be a better writer. That means that you can potentially write more engaging and better quality support tickets, which leads to happier users, which leads to more revenue, so on and so forth. Or you can have a product person that wants to learn coding and now has the opportunity of when they have an idea, they can throw a quick prototype together and just to test something out, maybe internally, it doesn't have to necessarily be helpful for them in that specific role, but it gives a grander value. On the other side, Tevi and I have spoken about it in a few episodes previously is about the third track that companies have uh, in growth or employees have in growth. And so you're a support person. Nobody knows the product ins and outs, how people are using it, what they like, what they don't like better than the support person. And then maybe after sitting in support for two years, someone says, well, I know everything there is to know about the product and where we should be going. But now I'd like to actually get involved 
in building the product and, and to be able to develop it. Now, how do companies and leaders and a support team and a product team give them that, that training, give them an experience? Because if they try to apply for that job on their own, what are they going to get? Oh, we well, don't have any experience as a product manager. Sorry, it's not going to work. But if you're able to enable them and give them the training, the exercises, the, the projects and collaboration with a product team to get them to that road that in six months or a year when that open role comes up, if they want to take that, go take it. That's fantastic. I'm happy for you to succeed. And if you want to stay within support, okay, maybe you have more of understanding of how product works and the priorities and how that influences support. But I think it's really looking at the tracks of, okay, what can really give you potential future value in that specific role or the track or what helps you move over to another track? I absolutely agree with that, Scott. I call it the, the Loom resume. So typically I say, let's build your Loom resume. So you're going to be in support for the foreseeable future. It doesn't mean that this is like where you are for the next five years. So if there's anything else that you'd like to do, let's build that resume. Let's add those projects, those tasks, those partnerships to it so that when there's an opening or a new job that comes up, you can confidently say, hey, I should get this job because I have done X, Y, and Z that qualify me for it. Yeah, I'm super aligned with you on that, Scott. I think we're not here to be gatekeepers, obviously. If someone is on our team, I'll do whatever I can to make sure that they're successful, they're happy and engaged. But if there's ever a time where they're like, hey, Suzanne, I need to move on and, and go somewhere else. I'll support them in all of those decisions because all we should be caring about is that they are successful so that we can be successful too. I, I love this topic. This, this is a great conversation. Yeah. Leaders, scratch out the word managers. Go on to <laughs> next question. Uh, what tools does Loom use to enable your team to learn? Yeah, sadly, we just haven't landed on like a specific tool yet. Sadly or not sadly, honestly, because it's really early. We've done workshops, we've done courses, just using a variety of tools, but I can tell you that we just have a, an internal knowledge base nowadays that's hosted by Guru. We typically use Notion a ton to host our documentation. And of course we, we watch and we record tons of videos with Loom. In fact, Loom has actually been a really interesting method for us to share just knowledge and document insights for the team. It's very asynchronous, so it's been extremely useful for us to get the team on the same page, uh, no matter, matter where we are in the entire world, time zones and all. But as far as landing on a specific tool, we, we haven't yet. I think that will come the second half of this year, hopefully. I was going to ask, do you have uh, any tools that you'd uh, recommend, actually? Nothing specific on my end. I'm more in favor of like personal mentorship and, and book club type learning and development. A lot of people I know like the masterclass style thing where you go through a track and complete the videos and do the work, but nothing specific that really wowed me or that I love. I think I've tried five or six different. I agree with that. Most of the ones that I've tried, I've not been a fan of. I'm much more of a hands-on type learner. So I'm trying to learn leadership or now as you've promoted those people to a team lead, it's working more hands uh, together and doing it versus saying, okay, here's a course, take a LinkedIn learning course on how to be a team lead versus really sitting with them and going through, okay, what are you thinking about this? When you run the next meeting, 
how are you going to organize the, the documents? Like, don't, don't do synchronous meetings, but just in theory, you know, what's the right question? What questions are you planning to ask on your one-on-ones? And having more of that one-on-one -on -one type mentorship learning, which I think gives you a lot more value than any of the online courses uh, that I've come across to. Do you track learning and development in any way, or is it more casual and, and no pressure? Yeah, it's definitely on the more casual side. I think that there's a lot more that I could be doing here, to be honest. The plan is to continue developing OKRs, tracking personal goals for each of my drug reports so that we can establish an L&D program together later on. I think we're still, as I said, a couple of quarters away from having a dedicated solution in place. But honestly, this is our time to experiment and see what works for us and what we don't like. So when it comes to tracking, nothing too official. It's talking about it one-on-one, -on -one, having those impactful conversations. So I think the most important thing here is that there is just openness to trying new things and just spending time together, learning, sharing those experiences and aligning for sure. Awesome. I think the last question that I have, if you have some ideas to share with leaders of how to make L&D more collaborative with a remote team, in theory of not just sitting there, each individual behind the screen, watching a masterclass all by themselves and having no collaboration with others, any thoughts of things that teams can do to make it a little bit more collaborative amongst the team? Yeah, absolutely. Like so many ways. I think it all starts with values, right? So. Going back to the beginning of my time at Loom, I was just really impressed by how transparent the leadership team was. I believe that like really set us up to create an open culture of learning and developing or development in this case. That has been a huge driver for me over the past four years to just continue learning and continue upskilling. So it was really interesting because I was reporting to Shahid, one of the founders in the beginning, we used to just create lists of personal and professional goals. And then we used to have like accountability buddies. For example, if one of my personal goals was to read a, a leadership book or a run a 5k or whatever it was, and my accountability buddy was Lauren on my team, she just basically check in with me talk about progress, keep each other accountable. Because one of Loom's core values is to grow through empathy, meaning that we focus on our personal growth. We are each other's cheerleaders, right? So discussing these personal goals with colleagues just helps build uh, vulnerability and trust, which is, I think, where most of the personal growth happens. Honestly, the way how we approach L&D at Loom has been so ingrained in our culture that I think it just sets us up to have that type of openness. Another example that it wasn't prompted and it just kind of appeared out of nothing. Recently, Quinn on my team, he started a chain mail in Slack called something that I've learned and something that I like. Honestly, I hope I'm not butchering it. Sorry, Quinn, if you're listening to this at some point, but essentially it was just a list of things and it just promotes a collaborative mindset on the team. I love this type of initiative where essentially we're just like surfacing knowledge and then creating opportunities for improvements. Quinn is saying, hey team, this week I learned that this happened. And also there's an opportunity for me to improve here. And I really like this thing here. And he was sharing it with the team and then people were building on it, which was really interesting. Having said that, there's just a ton that we could be doing 
we'll get there. I think we need time. From a leadership level, we have just recently hired a director of customer experience, Jonathan. I'm just really looking forward to working with him to establish all of these programs for the support team, really dedicate resources, really say, okay, per quarter, this is how much time and how much budget we have to really drive these L&D programs. And everyone that is a support lead should have these trainings, learn how to have tough uh, conversations or how to give feedback or whatever it is that we choose uh, for it to be in the program. But I think it's, it's really great to see small initiatives pop up here and there, but I'm actually looking forward to the big leagues of L&D. I think that there's a ton of opportunity ahead of us and I'm really excited. Tevi, do you have any ideas of things uh, to, to collaboratively? Please share. So I actually started a book club basically a Slack thing. So we vote once a month on the book that we're going to read. There's like four books, let's say, and link out to Amazon so you can see more about it. And you just hit one, two, three, or four, vote on your favorite. And that month, that's what we're going to read. And each week you get a stand-up question there, three questions. What like, don't like emoji response. What I learned from the book this week. And uh, there's one more question. I, I can't remember at this time. I'm trying to like play with the questions because I want it to be a short and easy to participate, mm-hmm. but be enough encouragement for everybody to feel like it's not too hard. And by being async, instead of a live Zoom, it's a lot easier to participate. And then we, we actually track how many people are responding to the polls and how many people are responding to the stand-up. I love that. I, I love the book club. I've been doing the book clubs, but more synchronously, um, going on a specific topic, doing it once a month. One month could be leadership, one could be empathy, one could be whatever else it is, and each person gets to choose their own book and gives a, a five to 10 minute book report on the lessons they've learned, the most important bullet points in there, just to be able to share the knowledge, especially being on a specific topic, to have an opportunity to learn from different books and different uh, people's perspectives. The other thing that I also would like doing is to lunch and learn. It doesn't have to be specifically be on a work topic. One of the companies that I was working with, one of the favorite ones was somebody was Similar to Tevi and I, were big fans of wine. So did a lunch and learn on the different types of wine. He, he had recently gone to a, a couple of wineries for wine tasting, was giving kind of a tutorial on the types of wine, how they're grown, processes, what type of food that uh, it pairs well with. And I think having the, that opportunity just to do collaboratively over lunch and being able to share that experience and share those interests is a good idea to do. I need to do a lunch and learn with my team. Awesome. Any other questions, anybody? I just want to throw out there that I I loved what you touched on, Susanna. I don't want it to get lost because I think it's very important. You mentioned how you have core values at the company. As a company leader, say that we care about empathy, then I want my team to be learning about empathy, user experience, customer experience. That's important. And I think most companies focus too much on the job requirements as opposed to helping raise the team in their overall company core values. I think that's a, that's a great point and I don't want that to get lost. Oh, thank you. I, I totally agree with that. And one of the things that I'm most proud of at Loom is that our core values are such a great reflection of the people that we have in the team. And it's not really about the driving the mission. There's definitely an element of it, but it's really about embrace the weird and your personality matters, bring it on. 
be yourself and it's growing through empathy help others learn from others learn yourself asking for more always try to do your best and a couple of others remote first and now i'm not remembering the last one which is a huge fail on my end but there's another one that is really nice <laughs> similarly we also have a support values we have our loom values and then we also have five support values that guide the way that we communicate with our customers but also talk to the people on our team and and what our attitude should be so thinking critically and creating liberally is definitely one of them and it's probably the one that's most connected to learning and development because we care so much about people growing learning developing their skills and just creating value and having value added for themselves that we definitely want to make sure that it's at the forefront and people think about it every single day. So thank you for for mentioning that Teddy. So Jenna, thank you so much for joining, sharing your your knowledge, your experience and what you're doing and what how hard you're working to embed L&D into the Loom support and Loom team employee experience. So again, thank you so much. Until the next episode, have a great day everybody. Thanks again everybody for tuning into today's episode of Leading from Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Mm-hmm.